Hello, listeners. At the top of the episode this week, we want to take a moment to acknowledge current events. We recorded this episode before the wave of mass demonstrations swept the United States. As such, this episode has a level of levity to it that's not duly appropriate for the current state of the U.S. We here at Marking Out and all of SOSA's media stand wholeheartedly with those protesting police brutality. We truly believe in and stand by the fact that Black Lives Matter. As such, we encourage our listeners to take the money they would otherwise spend on our Patreon and donate that to a community bail fund to help those on the front lines of this uprising. We're dedicating all of our revenue from this month to that same cause, and hope you consider making a donation as well. Thank you. Now, Erin, did you want to take us in? Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with my girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. <laughs> this is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes I look at these costumes that Vince McMahon had planned for the revival, and I forget my lines because they're so bad. Speaking of those costumes that they had planned for the revival <laughs> slash now FTR, which stands for so many things. Including fuck the revival. For the revolution. It's fuck the re- it also fuck the rest. Yep. For the revolution. All that kind of fun stuff. I got my uh, pro wrestling tees order in today, as nice. you can tell from this anarcho-communist wrestling ring that is beautifully adorning my titties. I just got Archie City. He's a heel. He's a heel now. <laughs> now, yes. I also got this pineapple peach shirt. <laughs> God, that's so good. Because there's no better moment than now to invest in pineapple peach. Yep. Stock's I, only going up. It's, it's only going up. I, I really do hope that he gets signed once this is all over. Definitely. Would you like to begin with BT and explain a little more about the outfits for the revival yes i would (laughs) so we start off with uh matt proposing a new young bucks costume for him and nick and nicholas young buck does not like it matt's all for it though it's weird and like there's a lot of like blue and green and circles and they look like earth day (laughs) and matt's got like a big clock around his neck for some reason Mm-hmm. I, I okay. Four man tag team, New Day plus Daniel Bryan. Call it Earth Day. Okay, I could be down for this. Just a suggestion. <laughs> that one's free, no royalties needed. No, I do need royalties for that. Royalties needed. I I want ten percent up front. And ten percent up back. No, I'm not a bottom. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. What is that? <laughs> anyway. We keep going through BT, and fil- this part was filmed before Double or Nothing. Yes. So Christopher Daniels is approached by both members of SCU to see who he- whose side he's going to take in the match. Mm-hmm. So he's talking a lot. He's pointing out like how he's going to go about the decision, and then he points out Scottie Pippen in the hotel lobby and hides. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is after he says both to. Kaz and Scorpio 
Yeah, he, he put out tweets for both of them, The exact he? same thing. Yeah. And they call him on it. Yeah. And that's when he's like, hey, is that Scotty Pippen? And then he runs away. <laughs> we get a nice overview of the field before the stadium stampede. Mm-hmm. It's really nicely laid out, complete with the comic sans for Inner Circle. Yes, Inner Circle <laughs> having comic sans as their font is possibly my favorite thing that they've done it's just like a little like throwaway joke right it's that little little jab most people aren't gonna recognize it but it's like the other thing about it being comic sans is that it's slightly offset kerning so it's even more infuriating i i know (laughs) (laughs) but that's comic sans we go from there to kenny omega desperately trying to make a zoom call to cult and Colt telling him that someone hacked the footage that he sent Nick so that it made look Kenny re- look really bad in that video. <laughs> yes, he says, and he said he didn't send that footage to Nick. And then he asks Nick who is filming if that did happen. Nick says Colt did send it to him. Yep. And every time it's out with, Co- they're filming out with Cody, or not Cody, Kenny. That's a mistake to make. <laughs> yeah. Every time they're out filming with Kenny, you can hear a slight echo coming from inside the building. Right. So, like, at first I thought it was just that they did a bad job of, like, muting the mics or whatever. Yeah. But it turns out that that was all a bit, and Kenny and Nick were, uh, or sorry, Colt and Nick were in the washroom. Connected to Kenny's dressing room. <laughs> yep. So that's why you heard that echo, is because they were literally in the same room. <laughs> oh, so Kenny goes in there, sees them, gives chase to Colt, who runs into the shower stall, and Kenny loses him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he becomes one with the stall. We have a memorial ceremony for Vanguard 1. Which might be the second best part of this episode, actually. What would you say the best part was? I like the ending bit the most but this is a really close second all right yeah the ending bit was pretty solid so yeah basically a bunch of people are in the audience there's a lot of like disrespect shown to vanguard one and his memory kaz wouldn't shut up about how stupid the whole thing was cody kept mentioning how he's an atheist (laughs) (laughs) and at one point nick actually slaps on the shoulder and says shut up you atheist Plus we have uh, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon yell at each other for a bit. Yep. I really did like Cutler's eulogy that he gave, where he said, I was there when Vanguard 1 failed all his death saves. Uh, We also got Hangman giving a wedding speech. (laughs) Because he was drunk and asleep and heard his name and was like, oh, it's my turn. Yep. And we find out how the essence of Vanguard 1 became Neo 1. Which, it's a drone. They don't have essences. Look, okay, the broken verse doesn't need to make sense. No, it needs to make less sense than wrestling, really. It's true. And that's <laughs> a very high, high barrier to clear. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we have a nice, like a actually touching moment with Cutler where he talks about how he got the contract a year ago for double or nothing and wanted to prove that he was he wanted to prove he wasn't a complete charity case 
Yep. And he's 0 and 12 and not even on the card for double or nothing. Yep. He hasn't been even out in the audience for any shows lately. Yeah, it's been rough for old BC. So I, I felt bad for him. I Yeah. They, I'd like to have them book a match for him versus Avalon. I, I know we talked about it before, but best of three series. Never ends. Always draws. <laughs> it's a pretty good idea. I think it would be funny. We get Private Party making their way to the backyard for their match against Bones and the Bear. They battle Bones and beat him down. They get a ride to leave the property, realize they aren't moving, and it's Bear in the driver's seat, so they'll be fighting Bear next week. <laughs> Apparently this was a ladder match, too. There was a lot going on. Because they put $12 up above the garage, and Isaiah was kind of like swiping at it. It's really not worth the 12 bucks. No, it really wasn't. Especially after next week, probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got a, another tour of the Double Nothing set being set up. Which is always cool. Yeah, I, I love those little behind-the-scenes things. Where you just see the crews working. And one of the crew was bringing a giant dive through. And they got Cutler to roll it. He got a three. Cutler can't roll for shit. He really can't. So now we're post-Double or Nothing. Yeah. Uh, Daniels finds Scorp and Kaz and basically says, Hey, even though neither of you won, you still got it. I still believe in you. I just didn't want to pick a side. Yeah, which is totally fair when you're in a trio. Yes. Wrestling or romantic. True. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy sit together and talk about how rough their night was. Or at least, that is to say, that Luchasaurus talks about how rough their night was, and Jungle Boy just kind of nods at him. <laughs> He agrees. Marco comes and is like, hey, guys, I found this map with a white claw. Like, He's like really upset he he couldn't find Luchasaurus's tail. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, the tail was a metaphor. <laughs> it's about friendship. He's, I was just missing you guys, but now we're a team again. Which they brought that whole thing together in the sappiest way possible. Mm -hmm. For an audible dog. We see Justin Roberts at home still. But he's in, like, a black and white suit, ready to do the intro for the Stadium Stampede. Yes. Which we did get to hear during the pay-per-view. And also in, like, a home studio, which is why he sounded very, like, he sounded a little echoey, because I think he's in too big of a room. Yeah, he and doesn't have, like, the right noise spoofs, which, admittedly, I am in a large room. I don't have any noise spoofs. I should be recording this under a blanket, but I would die. Yeah, I've got a curtain right in front of me to absorb some of it and a blanket on my door. <laughs> but So I can hear the echo every time I edit. I wonder if I just like take this blanket. Cat, you will die. Just kind of go under here and then I can't read my notes. It's wonderful, but I, <laughs> I bet my audio quality is very good while I'm under here. That is I just can't audio. read my notes. Also, you'll die. <laughs> So yeah, no, that was it was good. Uh, we get some behind the scenes from the stadium stampede, including Brandon Cutler being like, "Oh no, oh no, no, no! They're gonna crash! They're gonna crash!" <laughs> During the segment with uh, trying to run over Sammy again. Yeah, and the uh, one wing angel on Sammy to end the match, shown from Cutler's angle. Yeah, which really did show how well edited that thing was. 
Mm-hmm. Because in the real time, they did the move, and Aubrey was right there to make the count. In the match, there was the move, Aubrey doing all her stuff, and then making the count, which was pretty cool to see. Yeah, no, it worked really well. Uh, so then we flash back to the night before the stadium stampede as a credits interruption. <laughs> Hangman walks into the Bucks Hotel room, says, if we're going to do this, we need to do it right. The inner circle's a well-oiled machine. They need to all be on the same page if they want to win. We, we need we need someone to help us. Someone who's very good at this kind of thing. We need to become a circle. <laughs> and has worked with us before. So they turn into a circle. <laughs> like a huddle. Which Hangman has to explain to the box. It's like, no, I mean like a huddle. <laughs> So yeah, they're all really close together. They're trying to get comfortable. Their eyes are closed. If only someone could just walk through that door right now to help us. And the door opens, and they keep thinking that it's like catering mm-hmm. or room service coming with their food. So they, they're yelling at this person, just put it over there. The money's on the counter, whatever. Person gets frustrated, leaves. And Brandon Cutler behind the camera says, you just let him walk out without paying a tip. Our reputation. <laughs> now, Aaron, who was this? Who was this gentleman? The person who walked in that they thought was room service was Marty Fucking Skrull. <laughs> <laughs> Which I I marked out for that one. I marked out for a lot this week, actually. It's pretty good. Like jumping out of my seat. This was one of those times. It, it's just like. He he's right there. <laughs> Turn around, you idiots! Aaron is very, very excitable. I am usually about wrestling, but yeah, no, this was a good week for wrestling. So, do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about dark? We can talk about dark. Dark was pretty good too. Yes, so match number one. It was long again, but it was good. Yeah, it was a long ass episode. I. I mean, to be honest, I, like, skipped through some of it because I was just, like, so tired. And yeah, I've also I was also on my period this week, which meant that I just didn't have the emotional capacity for it come, like, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I I might take producer I2's advice and start 1.5ing or 2 timesing dark. When they get this long, it's like, I gotta cut it down for myself. (laughs) Mm hmm. Again. I love what AEW's doing, getting a bunch of indie guys in there to get their name out, giving them a a payday, but I need something a little bit more, (laughs) or a little bit quicker. So, anyway, the first match is Silver and Reynolds of the Dark Order versus QT Appleman and Dustin. Where QT Appleman spent a lot of this match getting distracted. By staring at Allie, who I guess is no longer the bunny. I don't know it's like she wasn't in the bunny gear she was wearing like bright red like very lady in red kind of thing but yeah so she's eating eating that apple yep and quality trainer marshall <laughs> gets very distracted <laughs> and dustin's like hey man what the fuck are you doing yeah this lets the dark order take over for a good chunk of the match mm-hmm. until dustin's tagged back in and hits a canadian destroyer which apparently we're now not calling the code red. I don't know. It's been very inconsistent. So when Darby does it, it's now the code red. 
despite red not being a motif for Darby Allen. Yeah. And when Dustin does it, we call it the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah, because someone else did it on Dynamite as well, and it got called a Canadian Destroyer. So... I'd like some consistency. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those backstage things where they're trying to feel it out right now. Yeah, no. I mean, like, the move is the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. Or the Egyptian Destroyer, if you're a fit-in. Fair. God, I had a good tweet about a wrestling move yesterday. It was it was a thing that I quote tweeted. This was very specific. Hold on, I gotta scroll back. Our finishing move? No, that one I didn't tweet about. Okay. Our finishing move is called the strong lesbian. <laughs> it's like a strong zero, but a sit-out pile driver. A sit-out belly to belly pile driver. Because it looks like you're 69 <laughs> I thought that was what you tweeted out. No, the thing I tweeted out was... Oh, God. there's I, I had so many tweets this morning. Holy shit. <laughs> was it last night or was it the night, night before? I don't know. The 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 thread was something like, uh, how do you feel about the name, the first name your parents gave you? Which, being trans, I misread as the first name. Like, they gave me another name after that. Not the first name. Like, you're... Oh, okay. Either way, I don't know where this tweet went. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. I know it is, but I had like a real long thread about bimbos and himbos and thembos today. Yeah, that's that's your problem. I can't help you with that one. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 the best, how much do you like the first name your parents gave you? I quote tweeted and said a combination cradle back to belly pile driver and top rope double foot stomp out of 10, which is to say a strong zero. It's a pretty good tweet. That, that's a good tweet. Yes. Getting like literally no attention. Yeah. Oh, well, back to the match. The Canadian Destroyer was hit. QT Cutter was hit. That's three on the Dark Order. And Ali walks away. Mm hmm. The next match we had was. The most frustrating thing I've ever seen. This is the one that Aaron screamed at. This was not good <laughs> yelling at my TV. <laughs> we have Michael Nakazawa taking on Brandon Cutler, where in the opening exchange of the match, Bryce takes Nakazawa's oil and throws it away. No, 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 no. He does his Bryce, who sounds dead ringer for Charlie from Always Sunny. Yep. <laughs> In addition to that, Brandon took the backup oil and threw that away. So Nakazawa's at a disadvantage for the entire match. Cutler is basically running the match the whole time. Yeah. Like, he, he has all the offense. At one point, he gets color, and I don't know how. Yeah, we're not sure where that happened. I first saw that Bryce had some gloves on before I the camera panned around properly, and you could see that he was bleeding. But in the end of this, Cutler decides to go for a countout by being on the outside with Nakazawa and throwing him down every time he got up. You know, like the old N64 wrestling games you'd have to do in some of the matches. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, like, you know, get in at the last minute, but not yep. counters and throws him into the barricade at nine. Yep. Not gets back in the ring. Cutler gets back in the ring as Brace counts ten. But calls him out. Half his body was in the ring. Michael Nakazawa wins via count out. 
<laughs> he was so close. Eren is still very upset about this. I'm still pretty miffed about it, but I'm also enjoying the irony of it. I like the one time Brandon Cutler gets like very he got all the momentum this match right he got all of the momentum and then he squandered it on showboating yep so then avalon comes out (laughs) with a microphone to gloat at brandon cutler and call him the worst wrestler in aew we then find out peter avalon has a match right away against jungle boy and we get brandon cutler on commentary the first time someone's been bleeding while on commentary according (laughs) to our commentary team like, I can imagine what cleaning up that headset would have been like. Especially because you really have to sanitize that thing. Like, yep. Yeah, no, this next match had the worst spot in it of all of the spots. Of almost the week, yeah. So, Peter Avalon loses. That's what matters. Yeah, it, it was a really good match. But it it got tainted. Again. Because AEW doesn't know when to leave well enough alone and continues to run angles that involve non-consensual sexual contact. Yep. Anyway, next match, Serpentico versus Christopher Daniels. I was looking forward to this one, actually. Serpentico is really good. I love watching him. Now, and this one went probably close to ten minutes. It was more than five. Was it it was four minutes and 27 seconds. <laughs> okay, it felt like forever to me. Well, close to ten. Because I was really hanging on, I guess. Close to ten. More than five. <laughs> four minutes. <laughs> four minutes and 20 seconds. I- I'll cut that part out so I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, nope, you gotta leave it in. I'm gonna keep referencing it throughout the podcast so you're forced to leave it in. <laughs> I mean, that's just even funnier to me then. Put on the Patreon cut. <laughs> We don't have a Patreon cut for this Exactly. <laughs> no, we're leaving it in. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a really good match. It was a very good outing for, for Serpentico. I'm glad they're keeping him on the shows, like, visibly. Like, even at Double or Nothing, he was in the crowd. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, his knighthood helps him retain his status with AEW. Whatever a Pentaco is, I'm sure that's the key to his success. Just not tonight. Because Christopher Daniels hits a choke slam, followed by a BNE, and one, two, three. Yep. After that, we get John Schuyler and Brady Pierce taking on those Jersey boys, Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. Yep. Where Janela has a bandana stuck in his hair that he keeps trying to pull out. <laughs> The point needs to comb his like, hair. What a fucking mess that is. <laughs> this was a fun... Uh, this was a pretty fun match, I'm not gonna lie. I really enjoy seeing Kiss and Janela tagging together. Yeah, but Skylar and Pierce are kind of the jobbiest jobbers ever, so we got exactly the match we expected. Yep. I that That is to say that I appreciate Skylar and Pierce a lot, and I'm glad they got a good look but the way that AEW has been booking these matches, you know how it's going to go, and you know it's going to be over in under five minutes. Yeah, or at least close to ten. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that bit already. Wow, I'm actually kind of disappointed. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. 
Also, this beer glass, it's hard to see against my hand. Let's try this. It's Mario actually Kart. easier to see without anything behind it. There's an otter on it. <laughs> There's an otter. Hold on. Wait a minute. There we go. Aw, so cute. Otterly amazing. <laughs> a slightly larger than normal otter. Yep. I also have... This was, this was stolen from a pub in England. I also have this towel. <laughs> it's a bar towel. Do you just have otter bar things hanging around? No, these were my mom stole these from a tavern when she went to England and was like, "I'll bring them back for you." And that's why I have the otter pint glass, which is a proper pint glass, not an American pint glass, so yep. I can actually fit a proper pint in it. Which is why I was able to fit an entire one of these, an entire pint in the glass. This this is the beer that I'm drinking. Lagom? Lagoom? I don't know how to pronounce it. Lagom, but it's a Highlander Weiss with sea buckthorn and licorice. And it's actually only 3.9% alcohol and has like basically no hops in it. Hey, Lagom, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> um, the, the beer is actually made by Carton. Well then. Carton Brewing Company of Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. If you're in Jersey ever, check them out. They're a very good brewery and their tours are a whole lot of fun. I hope our check is in the mail. <laughs> Augie, send me a check. This beer has... Okay, so the IBU rating on this beer is literally zero. Oh, really? Okay. It's just written out as sour. <laughs> <laughs> and sour it is. Okay. I haven't had many sour beers. I mainly go for darker stouts. Those are usually lower in hops, too. Yeah. The bitterness in those tends to come from the malts. Yes. Hi, I used to make beer, so I know a lot about it. I used to drink a lot of beer. I spent hours upon hours making beer. I One year during college, when I was making beer, I did an entire like seasonal rotation of like five or six different beers, all themed after the West Wing. Oh my god. So our next match is Fabu Andre and Tony Donati versus the Superbad Polycule. I was really glad to see Fabu again. It's nice to know he didn't completely disappear. Yes. Mox didn't actually kill him. <laughs> so yeah, th this was another match that you would expect from Dark lately. Really just kind of cementing the place of the roster guys with, you know, Jimmy and Kip looking very good. Like, in the ring, too. Oh, no, Kip just looks good everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually really good for Jimmy and Kip, because it was a chance to really show off their tag team star without competing for attention with their opponents. Mm -hmm. Which they got up to immediately when, before the bell rings, Jimmy just starts kicking the crap out of everyone <laughs> which is his want and is frequently how jimmy havoc wins matches which is yep. you know a healy way to win e even penelope gets involved in this one when fabu gets dumped to the outside kip gets tagged in tries to go for a very show-off pin he's got his foot on his chest and he's holding one leg up in the air <laughs> mm -hmm. so it's a little more convincing than what jericho always does but still, it's not going to get anything. No. They do that little field goal spot again, but they go wide right this time. I don't think Craig Knox is just going to ever call it for them. No. 
just gonna be one of those things where you keep missing. Yeah, it's okay. They'll hit something eventually. If it's another wrestler, so be it. Uh-huh. There was a very neat spot where Jimmy chokes Fabu Andre with his own hair. Which is always fun. <laughs> that was interesting to see. And I didn't realize before, but when Jimmy goes for a European uppercut to someone on the top rope, he yells, sure, you can. Yep. He's done that about four times now. I noticed it here and I noticed it on Dynamite. I don't think I ever picked up on it before. I've picked up on it like twice before. Okay. So yeah, no, solid match. You know, I'm glad that these guys are getting consistent looks. I'd like the looks to look a little better and be more convincing. I don't know. There's got to be one match where they let the jobber win, like right at some point. It, like they they've got to have their they've got to have their one two three kid moment. Uh huh. I wouldn't mind seeing that really. Just so it's not squash after squash after squash. It's not so samey. Because it's like how I eat in the fall, and it's just boring. Yeah. <laughs> I I tried to walk away from that one and i couldn't <laughs> no i i'm always going to set 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 up and slam those okay just not the description afterwards right set 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 now all the cats are at the speakers or as taco likes to be called so taco doesn't respond does but he does respond to piss, 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 piss. <laughs> All right, so. Continuing on with the night. Wardlow versus Grimm. Mr. Grimm, who we actually saw first during the search for Spears that was going Yes, on. I remember. He got, like, a lot of traction because he, I think he got, like, signal boosted by Nyla. Yeah. A, a few people picked up on him after that, and... I've been following him ever since. He's great. I, like, if it was anyone for, but Wardlow, I would have expected him to have won. Honestly, he even gave Wardlow a pretty good match for a squash. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, Wardlow hasn't felt... They've done a good job of, like, ever since the match with Cody. Yeah. Kind of lowering Wardlow's power level. M- making him a little more human? Yeah, so he's not, like, undefeatable and a monster. He's still beatable yeah which you know goes into a lot of realism that they can set up with the company mm-hmm. but yeah grim actually looks really good for a time until he tries to springboard elbow and gets caught midair mm-hmm. now mr grim is not a small person <laughs> and wardlow just caught him like he was nothing yep he even manages to get out of an f10 but is knocked out by that big corner knee that wardlow does mm-hmm it and you know ref calls for the bell yep now this was a classic match because you had two big meaty men slapping meat yep and there's nothing better than big meaty men slapping meat (laughs) according to Big E. (laughs) according to Big E. which with the recent hires that AEW's done they could have some matches like that now yeah because they've got lance archer and wardlow and brian cage Mm-hmm. Like they, they've got some big guys in their company now, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it. I said it during the pay-per-view episode, but it always strikes me how, like, when he first started, they talked, you know, before Marco joined Jurassic Express. 
Thank you. Holy shit, I forgot Jurassic Express. I was gonna say Jungle Express, but that's not it. <laughs> Junglesaurus? Lucha Boy? <laughs> so our next match was Lee Johnson taking on Colt Cabana, where Lee Johnson was seemed to be enjoying himself, singing along to Colt's music. Which was great. One of the cameras just happened to catch him doing that. You know, if you're a wrestler, you like Colt Cabana. Especially if you're an indie wrestler. Yeah. Like, he's kind of Mr. Indie Wrestling, so mm -hmm. makes sense. This match, I enjoyed it on a technical level where Colt was pulling Lee into all kinds of traps and reversing a bunch of stuff and showing his veteran status in it. Mm -hmm. But this might be my least favorite match for Lee Johnson because he looked very ineffective in general. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Like, he's done what? Eight matches now? Seven or eight he's done now, that after this week. I don't know, but he's done a number of matches at this point, right? Yeah, and they've all been squash matches. But I think this is the worst that he's been made to look. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, as from a viewer's perspective. But, I mean, it's Colt. Yeah. Colt just kind of does this to people. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's, it's a squash match. It ends with a submission hold. Yeah, the Billy Goat's Curse, which is like a reverse Boston Crab. You know, and they shook hands afterwards, so that was a good sign. Mm -hmm. I like seeing stuff like that uh, on the lower scale matches. You know, you get into the bigger storylines, it doesn't make as much sense. Here it does, I like seeing it. Right, or like, as we'll get to on Dark, when you know, after the match, Matt Hardy helps Private Party get out of the ring and yep. like it you know, get which is appropriate you know appropriate sportsmanship yep so we get kylan king versus penelope ford king actually came out of this one trying to go in strong but it didn't stick nope <laughs> like she was jawing a bit with sabian on the outside mm -hmm. she had her up in a stalled suplex for five seconds and counted out and then ford came back and choked her with her hands, with her boots, with the rope, I think with Kip. <laughs> As Excalibur like to point out, she's a beautiful girl that likes to hurt people. I wouldn't know anyone like that. Nope. I don't know anyone either. Uh, moving swiftly onward. The handspring elbow flip off the corner into a cutter for three. Yep. And Kip gives her her engagement ring after the match, which... Aww. <laughs> This is a night of doll. <laughs> a main event. Best friends taking on Sean Dean and Alan Angels. The Gentleman's Club with Trent taking on <laughs> Sean Dean and Alan Angels. Uh, and Excalibur has the comment of the night showing his meta self on the entrance. He says, Orange Cassidy is corpsing. Send for the man. <sighs> boo, 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 boo. That's all I'm using, so we don't go over the 10-second rule. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a solid tag match. Mm-hmm. Best Friends looked really good after their... Was it last week they faced Kip Sabian and Jimmy? Yes. 
for number one contendership. No, that was for his private party for number one contendership. They've yeah. been doing best friends have been getting a lot of work lately. Yeah, I can't keep anything straight. Which is why it's myself. like as much as it's anxiety inducing, it's very funny that Chuck Taylor keeps tweeting about how he's gonna get fired. God. Chuck, you're not gonna get fired. <laughs> he knows that. He's just <laughs> fucking with people. I know. Oh. But yeah, no. Another squash. As is to be expected. I still like seeing Ellen Angels out there. Mm-hmm. I wish we could go back to the showings he had with Omega and Phoenix, but uh, th- that might have passed. Question. Question. Answer. So the guy that Ellen Angels was tagging with, does he, is, is, does he have like a history in military service? Um, I think he was at sea for a bit. What's okay. The, what's that branch called? The, the, the Water Marines? Old Navy. Old Navy, okay. And I also hear he bowled a two... No. He bowled a 36 twice. Oh, that sounds really good, actually. Yeah, it's like he didn't even have the bumpers up. Yeah. Wait, bowling's like golf, right? No. Oh, that's bad then. It's like my bowling score. <laughs> yeah, mood. <laughs> Yes, we got reminded again that Sean Dean was a captain in the Navy, and he did pull a 296. <laughs> if they could come up with another... This is like, okay. So, like... Sorry, water pouring sound effect. With... So, it's like... They, okay. So, when you go on Jeopardy, you're asked to give th- your three Jeopardy facts. And Trebek picks one and asks you your Jeopardy fact. Yep. So, like, you're you're given three, and Trebek will always try to pick the most embarrassing one. Of course. It's like AEW didn't ask for the three Jeopardy facts and only got two Jeopardy facts. And they just keep running them over and over again. And they haven't, and they haven't asked him for new ones. And, like, if you've been on for more than three episodes, they ask you for another set of three Jeopardy facts. Yeah. Which, like... You know, if you've been if you've been on for more than three episodes, odds are you're pretty good at the game. So they'll like have you bring in another three, and like then once you're past five, you're already qualified for the tournament of champions. So like, you have to come up with more Jeopardy facts. Yeah, it's like Sean Dean's been out here a lot. He's good. They obviously think he's good. <laughs> please get more information on him. Yes, more Jeopardy facts, please. <laughs> But this match ended just like how I feel about my birth name, Strong Zero. And suffice it to say that Orange Cassidy is the best thing that's happened to wrestling in the last, like, I don't know, two years. (laughs) The amount of levity he can bring to any situation is very much appreciated. It was, was, it's fun. I appreciate it. Hey, look, it's an AEW Dynamite. Let's do that instead. Okay. <laughs> the Bucks of Youth and Matt Hardy versus Private Party and Joey Janela. Where we actually start in the back with Young Bucks, Matt Hardy, and Kenny and Hangman all hanging out. Hangman and Kenny decide to go back to the hotel room and just start drinking, which we come back to later in the night, which is kind of odd. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks say they, they, w- they would like to get a different essence of Matt Hardy for tonight. So Matt Hardy knows what they're thinking of. Goes off screen, comes back in his Team Extreme gear. And they're like, no, 
a couple years more, <laughs> <laughs> we get Spot Monkey Extraordinaire Matt Hardy. <laughs> yes, Cruiserweight Matt Hardy. Yep. Who's ready to do some flips. All the flippy shit. You guys ready to be Spot Monkeys? <laughs> I really enjoyed that interaction. It was great. Because it's like, okay, we all know the Young Bucks are very much inspired by the Hardy Boys. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure writing and executing a skit like this was... A dream come true. It's also, I think, Matt Hardy's first time actually wrestling with the Young Bucks. Yeah. he Like, not against them, but teaming with them. Uh, outside of the stampede yeah and like even then they were separated by a stadium right yeah it was really good and this match was a lot of fun it was so it was them versus private party and joey janela yeah so you know you're getting a lot of fun out of this match it's gonna be flippy as hell it was it was such a good match i had so much fun watching it it's definitely like almost a too good for tv match yeah this easily could have been somewhere on a pay-per-view Mm -hmm. I particularly like the time when Private Party tried to set the silly string and Nick just takes out Janela instead. <laughs> <laughs> he just avoids the whole thing and takes out their tag partner. Which is a solid way to carry the silly string. Yeah. So about halfway through the match, we get a spot on the outside where Janela gets thrown out and the Bucks are setting up to super kick him. He ducks behind the barrier and they end up super kicking blade mm -hmm. this caused a bit of a brawler breakout in the crowd but everyone gets back up into the ring and they continue on with the match yeah no it this sets up for later yeah it does look like quinn gets hurt yeah after a double double tope corn hilo uh it looks like quinn is holding his knee on the outside like he might have twisted or sprained it so we're hoping that wasn't anything serious he did post on twitter today that he should be fine I think it was just a spot in the match after what happens. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we do get the Young Bucks and Matt Hardy going over. Matt Hardy helps Quinn to the back. In a very sportsmanlike fashion after shaking hands. Like, he was like, that was a fun match. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, and now they help him to the back and make sure everyone's all right. Because that's what faces do. But this opens up the Young Bucks being jumped by the Butcher and the Blade beat them down for a good while and then we hear a truck to the outside of the stadium a very old truck and in that truck was ftr or the revolt or the revival or whoever you want to call them not cody it was definitely not cody <laughs> it was yeah so the ftr which i think is how they're being built they might be but that would make sense, really. Yeah. So they look like they're going to get in and jump the Bucks because they've had that kind of feud simmering for a while over Twitter. Right. And it's been like a bit of like a, it's been a very like, there's the different movements that they represent in, you know, wrestling. Yep. That makes the feud feel more legitimate. You know, the spot monkeys versus the brawlers. Yeah. The, the young Bucks are very super indie styled mm -hmm. they do a lot of flashy a lot of flippy shit and you have ftr who are the more old school ones so old school they got a polio vaccine that's an fdr joke sorry <laughs> oh my goodness 
but they don't jump the bucks. They turn on Butcher and Blade, giving a spike pile driver to Butcher, I believe, and a shatter machine to Blade. It was very, very, very good. And like the kind of violence you you get excited for. Yeah, like th- this is the second time this week where I actually jumped out of my chair or something. Mm-hmm. It was really good. So match number two. We get mocks on commentary for Brian Cage versus Lee Johnson. I'm sorry, Mr. Lee. <laughs> I'm sorry you're the sacrificial lamb all the time. <laughs> the sacrificial lamb. Cage basically just ends the match as soon as it starts. Yeah, it doesn't even set up a whole lot. We get a drill claw for three, and we get more time on the bunny talking up QT more than the match. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was a very quick match. We next get the best part of Dynamite this week. Oh, goodness. Certified role model. Oh, goodness. Dr. Britt Baker and her assistant, Reba. Is this why we named the ship's control Reba? No, I named the ship's... uh, I named the... I named the Astromech after Reba McIntyre. Okay. I was thinking about the red hair dye that I have, like, applied fairly evidently. My hair looks good. (laughs) Um, uh, And I was like, oh, red hair, Reba. That works. That's a four-letter name that works for a droid. Yep. So she's got feminine programming and is named Reba. I think Astromech can have masculine and feminine programming. They can now. I'm going to look this up. Okay, I will talk about the promo going on. Because Britt gets brought out in a wheelchair where she's going to go over the third rule of being a role model, which is don't hurt the role model. Mm -hmm. And she lays out... A conspiracy theory taking up the entire women's division and referee Aubrey Edwards. Because Aubrey was there when she her knee was injured. Aubrey was there when her first injury, I forget what it was now. Concussion, right. When her nose was broken, Aubrey was somewhere. Yes. <laughs> and that's good enough. This is silly and really good heel work. And I kind of enjoyed watching it. It was wonderful. She does say she'll be back for All Out this year, which is scheduled to be in September. Which is not a long recovery time. I think it's just a fractured knee. Yeah. It it wasn't as bad as an ACL or anything like that, so... Mm-hmm. Great. We like when people don't have to be injured for a long time and do long, painful recovery. Yes. Okay, R2-D2 has masculine programming. So yes, they do have masculine and feminine programming in astromech droids. Okay. That is all. We go to the back where the inner circle is being interviewed. And Orange Cassie just saunters through their set. (laughs) Kind of just disrupts everything. It's pretty solid. It it was hilarious. (laughs) Jericho looks and is like, did he just? Okay. And you know he's going to get jumped at some point. Yep. But I love that, like, I love the way Jericho acts like someone pissed in his sprite. Yep. Every single time something happens. <laughs> Regardless what it is. Yeah, it's my favorite Jerichoism. So we next get Christy Janes versus Hikaru Shida. The new women's champion. We 
do we know who's gonna win in the match of a jobber versus the champion in a non-title match yeah christy did get a little bit of early offense here mm -hmm. by playing up and celebrating sheeta mm -hmm. and then she quickly regrets it <laughs> and the match ends with the move that no one can kick out of the, the falcon, falcon arrow. arrow during the break when there's like no sound playing they go to kenny and hangman's hotel room in a spy cam mm -hmm. that hangman finds and investigates and they just kind of leave alone he did tweet i hope that thing wasn't on at 1 p.m this afternoon and i did tweet i'm willing to check the footage <laughs> yes look if it's it's hangman's prerogative if he wants to jerk it in his hotel room at one o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> i won't blame him that's your right it's your body it is his body his choice yep that's to when to jerk it as long as it's in a jerk safe environment it's not a good episode if i can't get erin to completely lose it for like a solid <sighs> five to ten seconds where she just can't say anything because she's so done with me there's just nothing to say to that <laughs> how do you reply to that that's true emma says i think you mean safer jerk you don't want to be not safe for jerk. I hate both of you so much. <laughs> you love us. I really do. <laughs> Coming out of the commercial, we get an uh, interview with Cody, where he compares himself to Tom Brady. Which makes me dislike Cody even more. So I'm pretty sure he just called himself a jackass? Yeah, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, friends. We're going to talk about this because Cody brought up Tom Brady, so it's fair game now. Yeah. Do y'all remember that commercial where Tom Brady wants to fuck a mattress? <laughs> I remember that commercial where Tom Brady wants to fuck a mattress. He, like, goes into this secretive Swiss bank with, like, secret keys and special elevators and shit. He gets brought into a room with, like, the Sealy Black mattress or something like that, and it's like... Will you be needing anything else? And he's like, no, I'm all set. And then lustily stares at this mattress like he's about to fuck it. He fucked that mattress. Let's be honest. Tom Brady fucked a mattress. That's how that commercial, that's what that commercial implies. So I guess Cody is a mattress fucker by transitive properties. Yeah, no, I, I see that now. He also says he's going to defend the TNT title every week on dynamite except for this week mm -hmm. they'll start next week he's on vacation starting next week this was another segment where we had a camera on qt and bunny and brandy kept trying to get his attention to make him pay attention to the interview you mean Allie, not bunny i don't know what they're using right now they've been calling her Allie. fair okay i don't know i think you know we could probably stand to have some form of demonic presence to work with the bunny and or alley that's all i'm saying yeah we really could but i don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon no <laughs> no between lockdown and you know courtney rush not actually being in ring shape at the moment i mean she's wrestling in impact is she yeah rosemary's done a few matches lately i think is impact still producing product yeah they actually did like a two-week special a month ago 
Oh, uh, yeah, and she, I guess she's been under contract only for, like, the last year. Yeah, and now that uh, Crazy Steve has re-signed with Impact, that's probably incentive for her to stay, too. True. Oh, look, I just want Demon X funny. I know. We all do. Everyone does. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious where that storyline is going to go between the Nightmare Collective or the Nightmare Family. The Collective was the failed group. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Nightmare Family and Allie. So could be fun. Could be fun. Could be that Question Time Appleman happens to maybe betray the Nightmare Family and turn heel. Or at least be tempted to. By someone who looks like a dead ringer for Caprica 6. <laughs> no, actually, sorry, not Caprica 6, Head 6. That was a joke for Emma. <laughs> She's probably losing her mind at that one, actually. <laughs> Potentially. Quite turncoat Appleman. <laughs> Quite turncoat. Nice. Like, that's what I'm saying, though, is like, Producer rights are saying Quake Turncoat Appleman would never turn on his friends. Well, what if he doesn't really intend to? What if he's just hypnotized or brainwashed? Or, you know, he, he doesn't quite understand the consequence of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Aaron, would you like to talk about this theory for like a minute and a half? I probably could. Okay, I'll be right back. It's like, I kind of do like the idea of QT being like, an innocent pawn in this kind of where yeah he there's like the temptation brought on by Allie and he does stuff for her approval but doesn't quite grasp the full consequences of the things he's doing like I guess you could get into like some brainwashing or something but I don't know I don't think you really need to it's just it would just be like simple lust storyline I think it could be kind of interesting. I think depending who you have overseeing creative of it, it could work really well. That said, I am a little bit worried with the recent things like the snake incident, the Leva incident, where consent in sexualized circumstances seems to go out the window pretty quickly. I would be worried about that. It's a nightmare family thing, so I'm sure Cody. Yeah, and that's that's the concern, really. I think she's coming back now. Hello, my love. Hello, I am back. How'd it go? Pretty good. I went over how like you don't have to get into brainwashing or anything like that because it could just be simple overcome by lust. But it's a it would be a nightmare family storyline, so Cody's going to be in there. And we already don't kind of trust him with his storylines. So, I don't know. It would depend who's overseeing creative on it. Yeah, I... Anyway. Anyway. The Superbad Polycule versus SCU. For a title shot next week on Dynamite. Which Chuck Taylor definitely tweeted about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Best friends have their title shot set for Fighter Fest. Their match is going to be on the pay-per-view whenever that happens, but the next few weeks can determine who they'll end up facing. Which feels weird that they get the title shot after people who didn't earn the title shot. Yeah, it is. 
this is the time where I go, I don't think your ratings working is working how you think it is. Because mm -hmm. this makes no sense. The only thing that checks out about it is that Hangman, Hangmega have not wrestled together in a long time. Yeah, it's been it, like three it's months. It's pushing three months now. Yeah. So there's a strong likelihood they just need to work out how to get back into like, you know, working together ring work shape, you know? Yeah. At the start of this, JR has a comment when Jamie Page is coming out saying that he is one of the most ruggedly handsome men on the roster, but he says it sarcastically, and I just have to say, no, JR. <laughs> I I think Jimmy has a little bit of that rugged handsomeness for himself. Uh, he looks too much like my stepdad. I'll say, <laughs> I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I've said I've said it before. And I'll say it again before, but I'll say I've said it before and I'll say it again again. Yes. SEU and this one have been paying attention to some tape of mm -hmm. the super bads and jump Kip and Jimmy before the bell. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're kind of stealing that one from them. We get a lot of dirty fighting out of Jimmy, including biting like he's want to do where JR is actually funny with this one where he, he asks, I wonder if Jimmy is miscatering today. <laughs> that one's funny. So, like, that's that's where JR can be funny, is when he's not making fun of the person, but, like, you know, playing to that person. Exactly. It's like, yeah, Jimmy having bites people. I wonder if he miscatering. Like, I wonder if he miscatering today. That's funny. I laughed a lot at that one. It's like, when you're not punching down, it's good. Keep at that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, JR has had some stinkers that have just sunk. Yeah, he, he's got that that very noticeable humor style that plays well in the mainstream. Mm hmm But does not play well with Excalibur or Tony Schiavone. <laughs> no, Excalibur's all about punching up. We like Excal. Right, so when, when JR drops a stinker... Excalibur will let it sit there. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is a really, really hard-fought match for both teams. Where eventually Kip and Jimmy start building up their momentum. But Sky gets a hot tag and starts running through everyone. Mm -hmm. Eventually ending in Sky getting hit by a DVD and a double stop for two. And like, yeah, no, it, it was a typical polycule match. Yep. But in the end, after Penelope Ford stops the SCU later, we get the dropkick Mishinoku driver combination for three. Mm -hmm. And the super bad polycule has a title shot. Which I would like them to name the dropkick Michinoku driver like the, I don't know, they, they, they need to like name it something, right? I, well, it's kind of difficult in that because it was used previously by... Oh gosh, who used it? I want to say it was Will Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. in England who originally used that combination. Mm -hmm. The compersion compression. Bam, got it. <laughs> the compersion compression. But what I'm saying is when you're using someone else's move, it might not be seen as kosher to rename it to those people. So, mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. 
I'm sure eventually they'll come up with something to start calling it. Yeah, like, you know, when you're in corporate wrestling, they usually try to name finishing moves, you know? Yeah. See, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that match next week, because I don't think they're going to win the titles, but I think them against Hangman and Page would be really good for their resume. Sorry, who? Hangman and Page. <laughs> Hang Mega. Hang Mega. You said Hangman and Page. I know. I realized it the second time. I've done that a few times this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, if they're going to call it anything, the Great British Blast Off. Okay, that one's good too. Instead of the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> we should suggest it. Uh, yeah. After all this, we get a promo from MGF. <laughs> where... He's talking about how he doesn't seem to get a whole lot of shots in anything. Mm-hmm. He's pretty sure it's because someone on the board just doesn't like him. Who could that be? Uh, Cody. Oh! Because he immediately just calls him right out. <laughs> and they head out for the Battle Royal, where MGF and Wardlow are the first ones in the ring. Now, this wasn't done in the Royal Rumble style. This was more traditional Battle Royal, where everyone gets in, and then they start. So in this match, we had, I didn't write down the names. I have what happened in the match. I didn't name who came out for it. Luther was there. Luchasaurus was there. Sonny Kiss was there. So we got Sonny Kiss back on TV. Woohoo! In a dynamite match. Horse Hut. Um, Christopher Daniels. Billiam Gunn. Uh, Marco was out there. Jungle Boy was out there. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy almost made it out there <laughs> before he got jumped by Proud and Powerful with the Mad Ball. Mm-hmm. So he's out of the match for the most part. Cutler. Peter Avalon. Yeah, they were in this. I think that might be everyone. Probably. Yeah, so I do have it in my notes. I called Jungle Boy right at the start. If you don't believe me, I'll send you the notes. <laughs> so do you think then that just based on order of elimination, that's who gets the title shots. That would be interesting. I think it. I think that'd be neat to play it that way, but that's a lot to keep track of storyline-wise. Yeah. I mean, it's week over week. Yeah, they have a lot of spots to fill. So you have Jungle Boy first, then Orange Cassidy, then Wardlow, then MJF. Yeah. Man, would Cody come out of a Wardlow match again? Maybe not. I don't know. Because he kind of pulled that first one out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Producer Aitsu's favorite part was the multiple times Marco tried to eliminate Luchasaurus. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, goodness. It was very funny. But yeah, no, the, the match ends with the final five. Of Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy, Wardlow, MJF, and... Billiam. Billiam? I thought Luchasaurus and Billy eliminated each other at the same time. Oh yeah, so there was a final six. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were both going through choke slams over the top rope and they got limited, eliminated by Wardlow and MJF. Now they did call it the final five because they forgot that Orange Cassidy had never entered the ring. Yep, so he makes his way in now. <laughs> Quite fresh. And Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy work together to eliminate MJF and Wardlow. Yep. And then they put on a great showing. They put on an amazing showing. Like, they only had a couple minutes out there, but they really got a lot of stuff in there. They showed off a lot of athleticism, and 
it was really cool to see. Like, I would like to see them have an actual match sometime. Absolutely. Because they work very well together. Orange Cassidy hit two Superman punches, which they've been careful to describe as elbow strikes and not punches. In a Superman style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the end, though, Jungle Boy does get the win here and mm-hmm. is getting the first shot at the TNT title. This was definitely one of the more, like, well-played, serious consequences Battle Royals. Yeah. Like, they had some funny moments in there, like Aizu said, with Marco trying to eliminate Luchasaurus, or Avalon and Cutler eliminating each other after yep. winding up on the ropes and then on the apron. <laughs> but for the most part, it was a lot of people in here doing their best to actually win this. Mm-hmm. So that was really good to see. For sure. So yeah, Jungle Boy winning makes sense, I think. Yes. It definitely goes along with how I feel he has risen up in the company since December. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as he could not being on TV for so long. But I mean, like, he's back and he's playing well to the TV audiences. Yeah, he's back and he hasn't missed a step. He has not. He's definitely kept in very good shape. Yeah. The last segment of the show is the Inner Circle Pep Rally. Which I thought was fun for the most part. It was very fun for a while. Yeah. Um, Vicky Guerrero is a cheerleader. Oh, goodness. I wasn't expecting that. Classic. I, I loved how she didn't need a microphone. <laughs> I appreciate that they've also had her switch from excuse me to are you kidding me? Yep. <laughs> So as not to run afoul of the other company. Yep, but it still gets that same message through, and you recognize her voice immediately. How do you not? It's so loud. Vicky Guerrero, I am sorry that I hated your role years and years ago. I am too. You're amazing. <laughs> She's so good at what she does. It, yeah. She made me, as a child, legitimately hate her. Yep. And, like... Kudos to her for how well she's played that. Yeah, and how straight-faced. Mm-hmm. She's incredible, and I appreciate her so much. Yeah. So most of the pep rally is the guys, like, giving cheer-up gifts to each other. Yes. Throwing out some Stadium Stampede champion shirts that weren't quite right after the match. Sammy giving out participation trophies because he's the millennial. Yes. <laughs> The, the Chop Cheese, Discount Tim's, Vicks Vaporub, <laughs> and a photo of Mark Anthony. Yep. <laughs> this is just very funny. Yeah, a producer writes to saying, Vicky and William Regal are two WWE characters, I feel the way. Yeah, Regal is also very good at playing that very hated heel. Mm-hmm. I can't do it now, because I'm older, <laughs> and I kind of understand what's going on, but I really appreciate what he does. No, I, I I, mean, okay, so I still think that, like, the way you know how well Re- Regal can work is just by watching that, like, it's when they had the, like, the, the gimmick swap match between him and Goldust. Yes. <laughs> like, the fact that he could pull that off seriously yep. is proof that Regal is one of the better re- better performers and i'm so glad that he's training some of these like new stars oh he has so much to pass on and it shows he's so good 
and like it's that new generation of use using their terminology superstars because they're not performers they're superstars yeah that new generation of superstars that's getting trained by regal is just consistently so good they're top notch and i'm so glad that he's able to continue doing that and like you can see i mean like it's no more evident than when in sasha and bailey got the call up to main roster yeah when regal was there with flowers and crying because he was so proud of them like he knows what he's doing means something and like he yeah he's a proud dad in the sense that he's (laughs) getting to see all of these people who he's mentored and worked with and helped to become who they are yeah continue to grow and i think that's that's the regal that's the real regal that's not the character regal and you know good for him jericho gives ortiz noise canceling headphones (laughs) he gives sammy a scooter called the hit me up mobile (laughs) easier to get away from stuff now hager reads a handwritten poem that threatens the fans including a liam neeson promise which is not racist like liam neeson actually is yeah so like we're not big fans of jake hagar here but this might be my favorite portion of that whole scene just him having the poetry that he wrote and then getting caught up in being angry at the fans it's like okay you you did that really good yeah no but like it, it figures that hagar would pick liam neeson Considering they're both huge bigots. Yeah. Who'd have figured? Who would have thought it figured? Anyway, that's enough Alanising for now. <laughs> Let's finish off this. Um, Jericho demands Mike Tyson's head on a platter for a slight from 10 years ago. Yep. Sammy says, I couldn't do that, but I got you a cheese platter and some bubbly. <laughs> and the cheese was all gone. And so is the bubbly. Which brings out Mike Tyson's whole entourage. And they have a stare down and it's really awkward. And then it breaks into a brawl that gets broken up by everyone in the back. Mm-hmm. Tyson proves he cannot rip a shirt cleanly. Yep. He got stuck in that thing, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I don't like having Mike Tyson on my TV screen. I don't either. But apparently he's around for a while now, so we have to deal with him. Yeah, they're probably kind of stuck in Florida now. Mm-hmm. But... That was AEW for this week. So, Aaron, do you have a beef for this week? Uh, is your beef going to be the thing with Leva? Mm-hmm. All right, you go right ahead. <laughs> so, this is... I'm a little sick of my beef having to be so fucking consistent, but AEW has demonstrated and continues to demonstrate that they find non-consensual sexual contact to be comedic to be a good spot to have for a joke and i fucking hate it and i am tempted to tomorrow pay the 20 dollars or whatever for aw heels to go yell at brandy about it because it's uncomfortable and you know like they have these organizations that are about the women fans and all this and all that like it doesn't mean anything when you consistently have non-consensual sexual contact on your fucking flagship show. So that's my beef. And it will continue to be my beef. Until AEW stops doing it. And like I know that it's a work. But in kayfabe it's not. 
And the important part of wrestling is the kayfabe. You are presenting a product to be taken at face value. I know it's all prearranged and Leva agrees to it in advance and everything like that. Like, the time that it was funny, right, was when Colt Cabana stuck his face in when Peter Avalon went for the kiss. Because it wasn't forcing yourself on someone, it was intercepting a kiss and making it awkward. Janelle also did that. Right, there's a big difference between that and kissing someone who does not want to be kissed. You know? Like, or, God forbid, the fucking thing with Brandy. So, yeah, I'm not happy with them. And I will continue to voice my displeasure, even if it means I have to pay $20 and throw on a fancy dress to go to AEW Heels. I'll fucking do it. So that's that's my beef. I don't have a booty moment because I already talked about Sean Spears and how great his ass is. We good to go? I think so. Okay. So then, everyone, thank you all for attending this week's episode. We will be back on Friday next week. Check out RG City. I, I tell you to check out FTR, but they're already going to be on your TVs. Check out Pineapple Pizza, their matches. Shug D, Sugar Dunkerton. As we say around here at the end of our show, be gay mwah, and do crimes. Bye. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Included in the podcast. Yeah, nope, that's not going in. What will go in is what I mentioned bringing this mask to your house is a sex thing. <laughs> it wasn't a sex thing. <laughs> we joked it was a sex thing, so I brought it. Okay, fair. <laughs> Okay, fine. You're a little witch cackle. <laughs> oh, whoops, I forgot to start the podcast because we were having so much fun talking. Uh, uh, the stream's starting now. Shush.